Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Red Sea Radio's morning show. Well, guess it's still morning. Yes, it's Red Sea Roundup. Welcome, all my listeners. You are listening to uh, Pam Marvin here at the helm. Uh, but joining me this morning, I do have Thaddeus Romanski. Morning, Pam. Morning, morning, morning. Morning, morning. It's good to see you. It's been a while. You it's too. It's been a while. It's a blessing to see you and um, think about your beautiful family. And oh, thanks thank be you. to God for such a. A great and prolific I feel the same way. Great to see you this morning. And it's great to see that beautiful church rising in the background behind you. Isn't it amazing? I'm utterly fascinated. I actually stayed on the sidewalk for a minute or two just to take in the work that's being done on the rose window. It's amazing. Yeah, I want to get some information as to how that rose window compares to the rose window in the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. I mean, because... That rose window is enormous to my experience. Right. Have you ever been over across the pond like that? I have, but not to Paris. I haven't been in front of uh, the cathedral in person, no. But I would like to get some information on the relative diameters. For some some of our listeners who may not know that much about the Bryan College Station area, they're building, it's actually going to be considered a cathedral. Is that correct? I don't think so. No? Mm-mm. I don't, uh, it's not going to be the seat word. of the bishop. No, then what's the other word? A basilica, maybe? It, I think, yeah. got downgraded to from basilica size-wise, so I think oh, it's... Oh, can't be considered It's just that. a big church. Wait, but my, my I, think, I think it's officially going to be known as an Aggie-sized church, I think is what the term is. <laughs> okay. Well, it is a, an amazing work of art. Uh, we all oh, yes. amaze as we've been watching that from the studio come together, um, just the incredible artistic nature of this building. Mm-hmm. Uh, this church that they're building, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely huge. Anybody have? Do you guys have an idea how many square foot it actually is or how many people it will hold? I think it's supposed to hold about 1,500 people, isn't it, yep. Dennis? That's what I understand. Uh, square square footage on the, on the, uh, the um, what, air-conditioned square footage or ventilated no square footage, I don't know. Okay. Um, but it's, it's easily... Ten stories tall. Yeah, oh, easily. And beautiful. It's just it's just really amazing everything that's Cruciform in shape it. with a dome, with an enormous dome. So in fall of that you 23, can see from University Avenue. Isn't it fall of twenty three when they're saying it's gonna be open for use? I think it's summer is when they're gonna summer? dedicate it. Yes, okay. ma'am. So if you are in the area during that time, please make it an effort make an effort to come to mass at this new structure that uh will elevate you out of this world and into the heavenly realm. It's going to be truly amazing. The other day on the Instagram page, St. Anthony, excuse me, St. Mary's posted a picture of a an Aggie priest overseas working with some of the um, interior type of architects and what they're going to be doing to to decorate it, for lack of a better word. It was just simply amazing. Mm. Amazing. So, cool. so stay tuned to the Aggie Catholic Instagram page for, for yeah, you could definitely they do news actually do on the, uh, on the church construction. Um, 
little what's it called the little things that fly up in the air the drones, drones yeah yeah yeah. Drones. they have a drone pictures from time to time mm-hmm. and it's really it's just absolutely fascinating so mm-hmm. stay sorry tuned. i got you a little bit off off track of where you probably wanted to go but um true and that's uh, it's not hard to do with me thaddeus but <laughs> since you're here i really but it does capture one's attention when you're when one is looking out of, out yeah, of the window it's really awesome but since you're here, I have to ask you more about Victory Sports because that's such an exciting time. It is. I start, I'm seeing it in the bulletins. I'm hearing about it on the radio. There seems to be just, it just seems to be just this explosion of interest and from my perspective. So just tell us about it. Yeah. So Victory Sports is our Red Sea Youth Sports Initiative. We uh, started working on it uh, about a year and a half ago, and we've had clinics uh, this spring, five clinics. Uh, for for kids ages 6 to 12. And then this fall, we'll be having our first league season. Well, this, this is going to be uh, really exciting here in the Bryan College Station area. The Bryan College Station um, parishes children in eight, uh, grades 1st through 6. They'll be playing volleyball for girls or flag football for boys, be playing for their parishes. So it'll be... St. Thomas competing against Santa Teresa. And we we really believe that this is going to be a great way to bring families more uh, closely together with one another at at one another's parish. Uh, We're going to increase pride at the parish level. We're going to increase involvement. We're going to increase loyalty to the parish. And we're going to to see um, a resurgence of... Of, of life at, at the parishes. We hope that this is going to help um, the Bryan College Station community coming coming back from the, the pandemic. A rejuvenation. Um, a rejuvenation of, yeah. of parish life. We hope we can add, um, you know, make some small contribution to that because we think it's it's so important uh, to have those, those parishes vibrant and full of life and places where uh, people are living out their baptismal calling as sons and daughters of, of God. Right. And we want this this athletic experience to be uh, something that, that not only uh, hones athletic skill and, and increases uh, people, you know, children's well-being, physical well-being, but we want it to be a site of of encounter with their Catholic faith in, in, a, in a real way, in, a, in an organic way, or, yeah. where they, they're living out and, and practicing out Holiness, excellence. Right. I, I've always said, as as a, a mother of children who played sports, that the it, you know ha, sports on the a micro on a micro scale just really does imitate life oh, yes. in the need and uh, growth of virtue. So yes. I always felt like sports was just one of the most wonderful avenues for growth and virtue, yep. which is I think real central theme. Other than the community aspect of it, is the growth and virtue of. Mm-hmm. Not just the players, but everyone that's involved. Oh, yeah. We right? want this to be a formative experience, not only for the athletes, but for the parents who are going to be our coaches, who are going to be our volunteers, who are going to be our, our parish leaders. We want everyone to be to be formed and have a new outlet, another outlet for for living out their their faith and sharing it with with one another, with their neighbors. Well, speaking of living out our faith... Oh, so let me get... Can I just real quickly... (laughs) Of course, um, of course. Just the details of early bird registration is ending tomorrow, 
So this is t- today and tomorrow is, is the last opportunity to get that that ninety dollar price for the for the registration for the fall. There's mult there's uh, discounts available if you mul- if you um, register additional children past your first child. Go to victoryyouthsports.org and you can register there. And then registration will continue to be open um, past tomorrow at the regular rate of one hundred dollars. Um, for for the first child you register, and that will go until August fifteenth, uh, I believe, and then there's a late registration uh, deadline as well. But VictoryYouthSports.org uh, to register, please sign up. There won't be space available forever, so that's right. Get 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 your spot now. Awesome. Join the join the party. Join the experience. Yeah. Sweet. Be a part of building something. I know it's going to be wonderful. We're so grateful that the Holy Spirit's been such a part of it. And as you really see, it's an instrument and he wants this. So it's beautiful, Thaddeus. So thank you and your beautiful wife, Robin's effort and in the passion that y'all poured into this because of your love of the faith in our community. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Speaking of community and growing and partying. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, Red Sea Apostolate, as you can tell, is is more than just Red Sea Catholic Radio. We are are doing things locally, involving families and youth and and uh, people within the community. We have something coming up on uh, July thirtieth. We have a Central Texas family retreat. We've had a few of them here in the Brazos Valley, but we are going to have a Central Texas. Together Family Retreat, and that's going to be July 30th at St. Louis Catholic Church in Waco from 8.30 to 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m. You know, it's only $30 per family for the entire day, which includes two meals, so you can't really even feed your family for that these days. For the meals we're going to serve, they're going to be really good, too. So we've got multiple different um, talks that they can uh, participate, the families can participate in. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the uh, the parents can have a series of talks about praying together, stay uh, playing together, and being on mission together. We've got yeah. a great series of presenters. There is a youth track separate from the adult track, but we'll also come back together and have combined activities. We have babysitting available for the for the youths, the youngest. <laughs> yeah, can so, I mention something? What's really yeah. exciting is uh, the the plan is that. The retreat is going to conclude at 4.30, and then the staff is going to continue to watch the the children so that the parents can have a private dinner. Kind of a date dinner, night. Like a, day, a date night there. Yeah. Very nice. A good nice. good dinner cooked by the uh, the Knights of Columbus. So we're we're excited. Uh, so uh, sisters of the Mary sisters of Mary Morningstar will be there. Father Miguel from St. Louis Catholic Church will have the opportunity for confession, adoration, holy mass. So people have have traveled in for our family retreats from you know hours away. So wow. you don't have to be from Central Texas to go. If you're here in our Bryan College Station area, we have some people out toward East Texas that are already signed up and registered. So register today at our website. Thirty dollars until July eighth. That's correct. So if you go to redcradio.org forward slash retreat, or just click on the banner that says together, you'll go to the information about our family retreat on July thirtieth. Amazing. Beautiful. Thanks be to God. You know, family retreats, such a necessary thing, such a great apostolate. 
And there's going to be another celebration coming up this fall, too, I want to talk about, because you just told me who the new the speaker's going to be, so I'm excited Yeah, drumroll, please. We've mm-hmm. got an uh, announcement to make for our benefit dinners coming up mid-November 17th here in the Brazos Valley, the 18th in Central Texas. Who is going to be our speaker, Dr. Thaddeus? Father Richard Simon. Of Father Simon Says. Yes. With the big book on the coffee table. Many, many people love his show. He's going to talk to us about the importance of divine revelation through the scriptures and through tradition. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's going to be all about the Bible and it's going to be Father Know-It-All, Father Know-It-All's Guide to... uh, Reading the Bible. Father Know-It-All Bible Edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. He's very excited to come. I just spoke to him on the phone a couple of nights ago. and Great sense of humor. Oh, very. You know, self-deprecating sense of humor. Yes. Well, he's a very genuine per- person, so he's um, he's very excited to come uh, to Texas. So so November 17th here in the Bryan College date. Station area at uh, and um, November 18th in Central Texas. And where's the location going to be here locally? Dennis was about to say that. I thought I heard him. We're going to be at the Brazos Center here in Bryan. Brazos Center. And we're going to be at Tours Hall this time in Central Texas. Come up and take a tour of Tours Hall. There we go. Mm -hmm. So we got about two minutes left in the break. What do you guys want to cover? Any saintly stuff? Yeah, saintly stuff. um, But I want to just throw in real quick that coming up after the break, we're going to have the representative um, Pete Sessions. We're going to talk about things that... Excuse me, are important to us and our Catholic faith and indeed just as citizens of uh, Texas and the United States. But I also had a favorite saint from yesterday, and there's a great saints today, but St. Irenaeus, which was yesterday, not many people know about him. Church father. Yes, and he defended... Um, some Gnostic heresies, which is what one of his greatest. Did he defended some Gnostic heresies, or no, he con- condemned, right. defended against, defended well, the church against them. How would you say he didn't defend the church? He like opposed them. He broke them down and and revealed their heresy. Gotcha. So he dissected it and said why they were wrong. But gotcha. I didn't really know that Gnosticism in general is such a big umbrella. There's many type of Gnostic things going on. Which, you know, you hear that as a Catholic, but you're like, what exactly is that? You know, anyway, that was St. Irenaeus. And today, Saints Peter and Paul. Did they ever actually travel together, though? Did they ever really? Not really. Mm, that's a good so. question. I don't know. Well, with that, though, we're going to wrap it up. Um, stay with us after the break. I'll be talking to um, Congressman Pete Sessions about all things that apply to us as citizens. Apropos, Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. And we're ah, talking to Pete Sessions. There you go. There you go. Um, So stay tuned, and we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second half of Red Sea Roundup on this beautiful day at St. Mary's. Um, I have on the phone with us today, Congressman Pete Sessions. Welcome, Congressman. Thank you very much. It is a beautiful day. 
It sure is. This morning when I went outside to feed the dogs and look at my garden, the temperature was just a little bit more moderate. I was so (laughs) thankful. Like, you can't call it cool, but for (laughs) these days, it was cool. So how are you doing? Where are you physically located at this moment in time? I am physically located. I I took three days with my wife and her parents. So I am in Georgia. And then get ready to come back tomorrow afternoon. And then I've got uh, till July the 11th that I will be back in the district. So I took three days with Karen and and, uh, heard about all the reconnecting things that we've got to do. We're trying to plan for the rest of the year. All right. Well, you know, before we start talking about more um, topics, I really want to learn more about you, Congressman. Um, you're kind of your background. Tap was telling me you have a um, like kind of in your blood um, working and being a statesman or politician. And I'd love to get into the difference between a statesman and a politician, too, if you want to take a second on that. But give us some of your background, because these day and times we're all like, why would anybody want to go into politics? <laughs> so here, well, go that, ahead. That's. That's that's really a good question. I encourage you as I'm talking to, to break in there and ask me to amplify things. I uh, was born and raised in Waco, Texas, and part of a family. Uh, my father was a lawyer. I've got an older brother, a little brother. 14 years later, 15 years later, got a little sister. And in uh, 1969, when I was uh 14, 15 years old, uh, my dad, who was is a was a Republican, was asked to come to Washington D.C. from being a lawyer in Waco, Texas, uh, Air Force veteran, was asked to come to be a part of the Nixon Department of Justice, and he served as Chief of Government Operations, Criminal Division, Department of Justice. Uh, we moved to, to Maryland for two years. So I went to ninth and 10th grade in, uh, in uh, Chevy Chase, Maryland. We then moved to San Antonio, where dad became uh, still with the Department of Justice, what's called the U.S. Attorney. Uh, this huge district that goes from uh, what would be Waco, south of San Antonio, to Del Rio, West El Paso, uh, north to Midland, Odessa. Wow. And he was U.S. attorney at a time when our country was going through tremendous problems of drug, drug cartels, things. And then my dad, two years later, we lived in San Antonio. I went to Churchill High School, graduated. Uh, my dad became a federal district judge in El Paso. Mm. So family, even though we were in college, moved to El Paso. So we, my brothers and I spent our summers out in El Paso. I worked for a company in San Antonio and then out in El Paso called Southwestern Bell. Yes. (laughs) Some of us can remember that. (laughs) I was the first male operator. Wow. uh, In Southwestern Bell, worked at nine at night to three in the morning shift. Uh, we then moved to El Paso and I worked for Mountain Bell out there 
became an installer repairman during the summers. And uh, that's when people used to take jobs during the summer. Right, right. And uh, Let me slow you down a little bit, and I'm going to ask, kind of fill in a little bit of gap. So you graduated from high school in San Antonio or El Paso? Right, right, right. Churchill High School, San Antonio. And then you went off to college, or you took some time before you went to college? No, no, went to college. And and uh, where it was Hoosier, alma mater. Well, I ran track. I ran track for two years at a place that that was called Southwest Texas, it's yes. called Texas State. And then after two years, my little brother graduated from high school. So my dad said, okay, you are now through. Uh, I wanted to be a, a coach. Awesome. My daddy's a coach. And, and I just, I said, he said, you still want to be a coach? I said, you know, I'm not really sure. He said, well, then you're going to be with your little brother and you're going to go to a school called Southwestern University yes. in Georgetown, Texas, mm-hmm. where my older brother graduated. He said, uh, you're going to have to be prepared for your future. If you go there, you could be a coach. They've got a good program. Or, And I said, okay, what really what I want to do is I want to join the military. I want to be a Marine Corps officer. Mm. He said, okay, well, I then worked every summer for uh, what might be called AT&T, and I got offered a job upon my graduation, 1978, and uh, got offered a job in uh, Idaho or San Antonio, Texas with AT&T. So I took the San Antonio job and spent 16 years with AT&T, moved seven different places around the country, St. Louis. Uh, Kingsville, San Antonio, El Paso, St. Louis. Uh, went, spent, did three and a half years with Bell Labs up in New Jersey, and then moved back to Texas. And uh, sixteen years goes quickly. I guess so. Yeah. During that period of time, my dad handled. Uh, we had a federal judge shot in the back in San Antonio oh, mercy. in 1980. Uh, Woody Harrelson's dad, the actor's dad, really? is the one that shot and killed a federal judge. Huge nine trials. My dad handled all nine of those trials. Uh, he became the FBI director for uh, President Reagan, President Bush, President Clinton. Oh, my. So at so, this time, or as you're watching all that going on with your dad, are you having those stirrings of, you know, perhaps I'd like to to follow in his footsteps with law or being a judge? Well, probably not. What happened is, is that it I lived in New Jersey at the time and was in Washington enough and ended up running across a guy named Jack Kemp. Mm-hmm. And Jack Kemp was really interested in looking for the Congress to, we had been in the, Republicans had been in the minority for 40 years. They weren't even trying to win. And then this guy, Newt Gingrich came along, yeah. and Newt Gingrich and Jack Kemp, and then a guy named Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. We're all interested and said, we have to win, not just the presidency, we need to win the House. And so these people went about talking me into things. Well, I moved back to Texas and 
then was there for five or six years. And that's when it materialized that they wanted me to run. Mm. So Southwestern Bell wanted me to move an eighth time. At this time, I had two little boys, one of them a Down syndrome young man. And uh, Alex was born to us. And we did not believe we could effectively move just back to St. Louis with what we thought we would need a support group. So I told Southwestern Bell after 16 years, never missed a day of work. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving the company. So I ran for Congress and lost. Mm. And then two years later, I figured it out. Sometimes you have to lose before you win. Of course. We all know that. Failure is just a stepping stone to success. Isn't that what we hear? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you don't fail, I'm not sure you learn as much. Mm -hmm. So I can understand that. Then won a seat that was in Dallas, Texas, but that went out to Tyler and south to Bryan, 11 rural counties. Wow. And then Dallas. And uh, then, you know, kind of not the rest is history, but then I got to be a member of Congress. And after two years, they moved me to this uh, very powerful committee called the Rules Committee. And that's what I did for 20 years. And the last six, I served as chairman. And this is when you were in the Dallas area? Is that correct? That was when I was in the Dallas area. Okay. Wow. And so you just kind of uh, felt a patriotic duty to just throw your hat in the ring and and get started and look where you are now. Tell us about right now, too. Like you, um, I know you represent District 17. uh, Right. But yet there's going to be a little bit of shuffling and redistricting which I'm not happy about. I voted for you. <laughs> so I was happy that you got elected. I'm sad that they're going to be redistricting, but mm-hmm. can you go and just tell us like, like for me in this area, I don't know district 17, how far it goes, um, but what district you're being moved to and what's going to happen with district 17. So uh, the constitution of the United States talks about what's called enumeration. And that is where, there is a realignment of uh, members of Congress among the states, and it's based on population. And so rather than counting all the time, it happens every 10 years. And that means reapportionment. So in this case, the state of Texas uh, grew and got two new congressional seats. Wow. California lost two. Yeah, we know where they went. (laughs) We have a lot of newcomers, a lot of newcomers in Texas. Well, and likewise around among the states, uh, New York lost a couple. So there are people that lost and then people that gained. We still have 435, but they're just moved around. So in Texas... We also have had changes in population. And so the legislature is the, is the place, the House and the Senate in Austin, where they then change the maps. So when you have 
as we did members of Congress in a Republican state, we wanted two additional seats to be Republican. That meant divvying up what we had today. And so by and large, the way it works is you have to be around large cities one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because that's really where the population is. Waco, Texas, McLennan County is about 250,000. Brazos County is just slightly less than that, let's say 230,000. So that's only 500 of the 800. You've got to find a bunch of other people. So the district today goes McLennan County. South and east of Brazos County, and then with continuous territory over to Austin, Travis County. Okay. And the district there, 10 years ago, as it was drawn, it goes south of Pflugerville and west to Capitola, Texas Highways, literally about 200,000 people in Travis County. My goodness. As a result of redistricting, a good number of things changed, including people. And so what happened is, is that there have been, has been a large population growth along I-35 West. Yes. yes east, mm-hmm. But mostly West up okay. to now. So what happens is, is that I will be changing Michael McCall in what would be called the Texas 10, used to go down to Houston, really, Katy. Okay. West Houston. And he's in West Austin. Okay. So Mm -hmm. he needed population. So what he needed was about 200,000 people. So whether we like it or not, Brazos County goes to Texas 10 and I lose that. So our district now goes out to Huntsville. Okay, wait, hey, I got a question, got a question. So I no longer live in District 17. Is that what you're telling me? Let's say redistrict it, I'll be in District 10. Is that what you're saying? Like that would be in, correct. Ah, see, I didn't know that. That's that's so important. Like for those of us who really, you know, think about districts and areas and and really wanting to be involved and, and share our Catholic faith with one another and who, you know, how we're voting and along those, those ideas, um, knowing your district is very important. And so we, when will this be official that the Brazos Valley will be in district 10? It was uh, signed by the governor last November or early December. And in the primary that took place in Texas in March, March the 3rd, I was no longer on your ballot. Mm. I was on the ballot in all the way in East Texas to Angelina County, which is a long way out. So I've got Huntsville, Lufkin, and Nacogdoches now to make up for this and then picked up uh, people in what are called Round Rock, Texas. Mm-hmm. So I went yeah. then northbound from Flukerville. So the, do so, they pick us up, Dennis or Thaddeus? Do they pick us up on the radio that far south? No. How far south does uh, the Waco station go about, would you say? We go out toward Marlin, 
Marlin, and okay. uh, out just to the north of Temple. Okay, okay. So it doesn't well, go north of Temple. That that would be that would be fine. Mm-hmm. But we we are in Pflugerville, Williamson County. We are no longer west of thirty five as effective in January. We are today. So. Uh, yeah, by the way, I get lots of faith. My wife graduated from a small school in Indiana called Notre Dame. Oh, my goodness. Never and, heard of it. Uh, <laughs> Never heard of it. The, pres- the president of Notre Dame is a good friend of mine. When the Pope visited uh, Washington a couple of years ago, the president of Notre Dame was my guest. Wow. And he is a very, very fine man. What's his name? Uh, his, his name. Now you're going to ask that, and good for you. I'll, I'll. Uh, you I'll can get to... back to me on that one. I scared it out of yeah. you. Yeah, Karen is here. She she will respond back very quickly. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I want to go ahead and move on a little bit from redistricting to talk about other things that um, I think are important to our listeners um, who really vote um, according to their faith for the most part. And we want to make sure we're educating them well along those lines. And I think, you know, we talk about the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Those are talked about so very much these days. And I'd love to have you kind of chime in a little bit on First Amendment and what's been going on in that atmosphere. And of course, we could talk a lot about the Second Amendment, um, church and school safety. If you want, you can jump into any yeah. of those that, that interest you the most, uh, yeah. Congressman. Yeah. By the way, Father Jenkins is the president of Notre Dame. Okay. Father Jenkins is a, a bright young guy. I bet he's fifty something. And as we know, the president of Notre Dame is always generally the lead Catholic voice in America. I, I know you'd say, well, the archdiocese out of New York, but many mm. times it is, it is this uh, Notre Dame content uh, that is very strong. At least it is in my life because Karen graduated from Notre mm-hmm. Dame. So guess who, I uh, guess who we're listening to father Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so in fact, there have been, a huge number of issues around Article 1 and Article 2. The uh, right to speech, the right to to the individual liberty and what we speak and how we speak and who can speak. Mm-hmm. And these are issues that always uh, demand attention because we have this thing called the Constitution. And the Constitution is more than a framework. It actually is there, I I think, because of wisdom that people who came and made America what she is, we wanted to to get away from a king or queen, a monarch, and we wanted to be able to have people who could have equal standing which meant that they no longer had to go through a church or someone to gain power. And that's why the United States and our Constitution is so different than anywhere else in the world. I have to agree. I'm very much, um, I sit in awe of the Constitution and our, our founding fathers and the brilliance that went into this document and 
hoping that it doesn't get messed with too much. So thankful for, you know, things being upheld. Um, you know, of course, the freedom of religion is very important as Christians are so persecuted today. So that's why that First Amendment, I think, is is so important that we protect it even more than ever. No, no question. And yet it is under assault because we have also, uh, as you may know, Article One of the Constitution is the formation of representative government. It is the legislature. And the legislature has enumerated power. Article two is that power that gives the uh, executive branch its formation. And Article three uh, is the judiciary. Mm-hmm. Over the periods of years, much of the power has gone back and forth, but it is trending hugely to the executive branch. Right. Yeah, I'm personally one that, you know, the way I understood the way the forefathers uh, set it up, too, though, that we are these united states and that um, the states give the federal government's power. And so, you know, we're seeing what's happening with, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but with Roe v. Wade, where the judicial branch is saying, let's give that back, that kind of autonomy back to the states based on their elected officials, which I think is right and proper and the way that our country was founded. Would you agree with that? You know, I do want to agree with you. And yet I want to say, hmm, I had been uh, at this because I believe there's a constitutional right for an unborn child. Okay. Look, I, I am a conservative pro-life person, and I don't try and argue with people. I don't have to be right. What I'm suggesting to you is, is that the Tenth Amendment is also there, and that gives the states the right to do things I don't think everything has to be done the same way across the United States. Agreed. And I do I do believe that the thinking is that when we had this national law it was what, what in this case abortion it was called Roe v. Wade and that really didn't work for anybody. So now we're going to define our laws less as the United States and more to these individual liberties, which still must be protected by these states. Some states will protect those liberties. Others will not. We just had a ruling in New York. A New York judge has stopped and said New York cannot let people who have come here illegally to vote. Really? I, I'm a little surprised just, to hear that, actually. just happened. Yeah. A judge in New York has said New York City cannot extend that because it's not law. You cannot make up law. So there, there still is up to the will of a state 
to define itself. And I believe that life and liberty, the ultimate of life, uh, is best protected by a local state. So I, once again, I also believe that we had equal protection under the law mm-hmm. that gave these to these unborn. So that's just what I believe. And I'm not saying I'm more or less able to accept. I'm able to accept what the Supreme Court said in the state of Texas law will that that will not decide that. Right. Very comfortable with that. Right. So let's let's go ahead. I mean, let's go ahead and continue along those lines because I have some questions too about what's going on in the state. So now we know that we had um, at the state level that law uh, that kind of stopped abortion in the state of Texas, basically saying that um, a person had a right to sue if abortion was as was performed on someone. So it took. You know, it wasn't about the state. It was about individuals who could then sue, um, say, an establishment that performs abortions. And so that really slowed slowed abortions down in Texas. Thanks be to God. We're so very thankful for that. But now that um, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, is there still law that's going to be passed to say that it is now illegal to perform abortions in Texas? Is that what we're looking at? Is it already automatically that way? Uh, can you enlighten us on that one? Well, I think the the uh, inference that I believe, and once again, I'm a member of Congress. I'm not a state representative. I'm not a state senator. So they really uh, are responsible for their own laws. But I believe Texas has what's called a heartbeat bill. And that is the state of Texas defined that when there is a heartbeat, you cannot murder that child Mm -hmm. so generally speaking medically i think they've defined that at about six weeks so the law in texas i think is you cannot perform an abortion after six weeks when there's a heartbeat you cannot perform an abortion I think that's the law okay. today. Okay. Now there there are things around that which you know you and I understand and some things which we agree with and some things we don't but that's I believe the law in the state of Texas today. Would that change? I I don't know. Are we going to say there would be no abortions. I don't know. That's up to the state of Texas. That's up to our state reps. Okay. I'm saying the way it is today, the way I think it is today, it is a heartbeat bill. And I agree with the heartbeat bill. So, you know, I'm against abortion, but I, 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 was, I was comfortable before this with the Texas law and cannot tell you where it changes from there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll have to do some more of my research and background checking then. Well, I, th- I think it's now it's 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 now whatever Texas decides it will be. Before they defined it off of a medical term of a heartbeat, and mm-hmm. I support that. 
Okay, well, let's talk about something that's more applicable to what you're working on up there, too, is uh, border safety and immigration. Yeah. That's a big, it's a big thing. You know, recently we had a tragedy in the news. It was just really historically sad um, about the the immigrants who um, died and perished in the in one of those container, you know, in the back of 18-wheeler. Very, very tragic in the San Antonio area. Um, but on the federal level, are you, you're working... Well, what's going on with that? Because I don't really hear that much about the state of like, well, are they still building the wall? Are they trying to reform some of the immigration laws to make it safer for us as Texans? The uh, border has been a flashpoint uh, my entire entire career. My father was a federal judge in El Paso, and El Paso is directly on the border. And my father, as a federal judge, dealt with this when the federal government had a desire to enforce the law. This administration has no desire to enforce the law. And in enforcing the law as a judge, my father would deal with it in varying ways, but essentially would give people a sentence and suspend that sentence if they came back, they'd put them in prison. Hmm. I believe you have to have a deterrence. Okay. I believe the state of Texas and the federal government need to have laws and rules that they will support. And where you have someone who is a, a criminal and they have created some circumstance, not just being in this country illegally, but they have committed a, a, a felony, I think it is proper where Texas would choose to put that person in jail. Hmm. I think it is then proper where they would then deport that person. But today we have an administration that has no desire to stop anyone from coming back. And we had seen this when President Obama was the president. You remember the famous case out of San Francisco, where the man killed the girl uh, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. found out he had been deported five times, yeah. had previously killed people, but no attempt by the Obama administration to do something about that. So it it is a an important issue. I think it's an important issue for us to understand that when we get away from following our own rules and regulations, there are plenty of people called drug cartels who will take advantage of this. Absolutely. So we also have a huge problem with trafficking of women, mm-hmm. children drugs. We have a problem in our country now in every city in this country. And you probably saw where the other day there was an arrest of fentanyl that would have killed 112,000 people, 112,000 people enough fentanyl. And this, where was this? Uh, it was uh, an arrest that was made in California. California, okay. Yeah, and 
we're finding these large drug cartels by bringing people illegally in this country. They're moving their marketing organization, and they're brutal. They still people still owe them money. So either you agree to work for them, or they will kill your family. They know where you are. And so they're placing their marketing organization all over this country. And right now it's just kind of running rampant. We don't have like a, any, any control over that or like understanding what's going on and trying to slow down these criminals. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. In, in essence, that's exactly right. The president is now going to suspend all activities the way I understand it, he may came out with an order because he was essentially the issue number one about why these people are dead. And he wants anybody to walk across, not not have to stop, not have to report, not have to do anything, just completely open borders now. Incredible. And what he doesn't understand is that we've had over 112 known terrorists who have been picked up and he wants there to be just open borders. Right. Well, we as Texans just know that's not going to, that doesn't work really well for us. I know there's been plenty of uh, people trying to take as homeowners, excuse me, like landowners on in, in South Texas that are kind of taking matters in their own hands to try and keep their, their land safe. Um, you see lots of stories of immigrants and, and it's really just tragic. Hey, Congressman Sessions, I'd like to throw a little a, a twist. A couple of things that I did look up. We were talking about uh, Texas's pro-life law, the trigger law that's going into effect in the coming weeks that it bans all abortions from the moment of fertilization, except in rare cases to save the life of a pregnant patient or prevent the substantial impairment of majorly body bodily function. So it actually is, goes is that beyond law? that's what's going to take effect here in the state oh, of Texas, to, which is great. I'm sorry, I was in reference to what I thought the current law was. Yeah, that that's the trigger law is what's going to take effect. So we're we're thanking God for that. And um also wanted to express my own First Amendment rights before we shift over to a, a uh, discussion of faith in public life is uh, talking about Father Jenkins. While he may be a, a, a prominent voice, I'm not sure if he would be a good characterization of a leading Catholic voice because of so many issues that go on with public uh, or with universities, especially even Catholic yeah. universities days, these days. Yeah. I would encourage you as well as all our listeners to um, listen to our, our, our Catholic bishops as a, a, a representation of a good leading Catholic voices as well as Catholic radio, you know. So uh, here in Texas, I think we've got some pretty good leadership um, to, to follow and Catholic radio uh, nationwide. I've known to be a great Catholic voice. So uh, well, I think I our, completely our, agree. I think that. our listeners would agree. But I, I would love for Pam to shift over to talk about faith and, and how that involves itself in public life and politics. Yeah, I knew that you were you? starting yeah. to talk about that right as we were beginning the broadcast. That's right. You know, uh, we often see, and it just kind of baffles my mind, um, some people professing to be Catholics that are in high offices, we'll say, who do not practice their faith. And so how do you reconcile um, faith in the public square? Well, and let me tell you, that that issue that you spoke about is alive and well. It was just spoken about as it relates to some of our universities that are 
not exactly the same uh, uh, sort of principles that I would teach my children that are uh, perhaps available uh, around the United States. Uh, I, I think that the way that I present what I believe is my faith, my uh, the things that I believe in, I call myself a conservative Republican. Okay. I call myself an Eagle Scout. Uh, that is, we believe in God and country. We believe that it is important to live a life uh, that might be called either true north or magnetic north, and that is they're four degrees apart, and to try and live a life uh, that is based upon the principles of our Constitution, the laws of this country, and the laws where I live. The morality rules that I live by, I believe, are uh, trying to live a life that I believe is responsible. Okay. I also believe that uh, as a parent of a Down syndrome child, that I believe in life. Yeah. I believe that my son and other young adults and children that I know that are Down syndrome children or those that may have uh, other disabilities are just as important to uh, our country and our families and to God, and that, that they came with a creation from a perfect being uh, as God would want them. I believe it is up to us as a responsibility to take care of children. Uh, my legislation that is perhaps the most pronounced piece of legislation that no one knows about is is was was what was called the Family Opportunity Act, hmm. and it was uh, about the year two thousand and five, and it's a piece of legislation where if you were slightly older than thirty, you might remember we used to have towns and and places that would do bake sales to help. Uh, children with cancer, children that were disabled, or children that needed surgery. Uh, I believe the law that I changed, while it did not take that away from people, it said that where there is a medically disabled child, that there, they would be allowed to fall into what would be called Medicaid and would be able to be available for on a sliding scale basis for families and the state, the federal government to help take care of these children. And it has meant that where there are families that have disabled children, they could not pay for the children to get the services that they needed. It now is available to them. I thought that was another part of our benevolence if we were going to want families to accept the responsibilities for their children, they would need help. Right, right. And so the Family Opportunity okay. Act is available, and we have helped tens of thousands 
of mostly disabled children and those with childhood cancers. You know, I'm going to switch gears because, can you believe that our our interview is almost over? We've got about a minute and a half left, Congressman. Is uh, Number one, what do you think is going to happen at the midterms? And number two, just uh, any parting thoughts that you'd like to to say to get out um, as we wind down the show? Yeah, I would say that I believe that the uh, direction that we're headed in this country with high inflation, open borders, uh, diminishment of rights, and open uh, uh, war on principles of this country, including as we see it in universities, where we see that this administration supports men competing in women's sports, just as a prime example, that this is not uh, the America that we want to get to, that we are not for big government. I think it's going to be a big year. Uh, I hold the all-time record as chairman of the NRCC with us winning net 63 races, wow. uh, seats in 19 and 2010. I believe that same opportunity is available to us. I believe we will win, but I will tell you that every single person that okay. has faith and confidence in God um, yeah needs to get out and register get and out vote. and vote my my brothers and sisters we thank you so much for joining us this edition of red sea roundup and just let your voice be heard and go and vote thank you congressman sessions for joining us today until next time go and love your neighbor I'm